Good morning. I'm Sam Manuel, and together with my wife, Tanea Manuel, we would like to welcome you to the podcast today. Our theme this morning is I Can Change. And hopefully as you hear the theme, I Can Change, uh, you know that this is a message of hope. Sometimes we hear change and we hear you're not good enough. Sometimes we hear change and we hear uh, you have to be different. I don't know that we always hear I Can Change as a message of hope that things can be different, that we can change for the better. Uh, that that is possible. And prayerfully for all of us out there, we're pursuing change. As a church, we've been talking a lot about change. I know Tanea and I are personally working on our change and it's challenging. It's challenging to learn to rely on God to change things inside of us that have been in there deeply rooted ways of thinking, uh, ways of behaving, uh, desires, motives. Behavior is easy to change. It's harder to change Uh, the deeper things in our hearts, the places only God can reach in and change. So I want to start in Mark 9, chapter 9, verse 21. And it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, Jesus reminds us that all things are possible if we have faith in God and all things being possible includes changing. It's important because we can lose our belief that God can change our lives and the lives of the people around us. You know, when I stop believing I can change, I start getting angry and frustrated with the people around me and being more focused on changing them Uh, Because really secretly inside, I'm I'm losing belief that I can change. There's areas all of us need help from believing that God can help us change. You know, character weaknesses. Uh, Quit when things get hard. We all have that place inside of our hearts. Patterns of sin. uh, You know, live in damaging addictions or uh, triggers that we have from uh, past abuse that sends us into quickly into sins or struggles. Uh, Dysfunctional relationship dynamics. Uh, and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the patterns that take place as a result of growing up in certain dysfunctions in our families. I know mine's grew up. We had a violent home. Uh, we had an angry home. Those are sins and dysfunctions that I can bring into my relationships here in my house. You know, it's important that we don't allow disappointment over these challenges to steal our belief that with God change is possible. This is important because our transformed lives are an advertisement of the greatness of God and the people in the world around us. You know, three keys to letting God change us. Three keys to letting God change us. One, God's mercy changes our view. God's mercy changes our view in Romans 12, verse one. And we'll be reading out of the book of Romans moving forward in this podcast and specifically out of the book of Romans and in the chapter of Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse one says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, in Romans 12, verse one, it says that we should live life through the view of God's mercy. What is the view of God's mercy? The view of God's mercy is what does God say? What is the view of God's mercy? What does God feel about us? Too often, I think about my view of myself. I think of how I feel. So if things are going well, I'm sitting there going, I'm awesome. You know exactly what I'm talking about, huh? (laughs) 
If things aren't going awesome, then I go, man, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Now I'm awful. The problem with that is the view is always about me. You know, I have to view God's mercy. What does mercy look like? Mercy looks like God pursuing us. Mercy looks like God constantly forgiving us. Mercy looks like God championing us. Mercy looks like God dying for us. Mercy looks like God empowering us. Uh, mercy means God gave us a tremendous purpose. You know, it's important that we look at life through God's mercy because God's mercy is what's supposed to change us. What views do we hold in ways of thinking that are absent of God's mercy? I wrote down a few. You know, one of them was, I have to be perfect to be loved. You know, we can think I have to be perfect to be loved. That is absent of God's mercy. God loves us not because we're perfect, but because he values us as individuals. Uh, you know, the second one, I have to be better to be loved. So if I'm not better than everybody else, then I won't be loved. You know, the third is I have to be first to be loved. I have to be first to be loved. And then the fourth one is I have to love myself to be loved. Maybe you go, hey, I felt like I was abandoned or there was nobody there to love me. So I had to learn to love myself. I have had a deep love affair with Sam Manuel for some time. And uh, I had a 24 year love affair before I got baptized and became a disciple uh, with Sam Manuel. And I was never unfaithful in that relationship. Uh, the key is God has taught me that he loves me. And so I don't have to spend all my time working to love myself. The only way to overcome this, according to scripture, is that we have to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. You know, we have to sacrifice those views for God's view of mercy. Which view do you need to start sacrificing to change or for change to happen in your life? You know, the second part of changing, which really has to do with finding hope, is being willing to have our minds change being willing to change our minds. And that happens with scripture and prayer. Scripture and prayer changes our minds. In Romans 12 verse two, the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. You know, when something is transformed, it means that there's a dramatic change. And when you look at the Bible, God shows us different people's lives of inspiration. Paul, he was, you know, full of religious tradition. That's what his life was based on. He had a dramatic change. Jacob had incredible character weaknesses. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, you know, she had patterns of sin that Jesus pointed out. And for more in-depth Bible studies, these are great examples in the Bible to study out and read about in, in terms of people who had transformations. Right. You know, when we changed, we get a renewed sense of worth, a renewed sense of our potential in God's eyes, and also a sense of purpose. And you have to remember that going to church is not an extraordinary phenomenon in America. A lot of people even though it's de declining according to studies in America. A lot of people grew up going to church and you know, sometimes it can be the thing to do, especially if that's what you've done as a kid. A relationship with God produces real hope. And when we're hopeful, it actually leads to a changed heart and life because you believe something can be different. You know, with religiosity, it's easy to conform. 
you know, I grew up with a dad who was a Vietnam vet. He's a fifth degree black belt. And in my house, I learned to comply with rules, right. standards, and laws, and that's <laughs> what you did. So cleanliness, that was our religion. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times we want religion because we don't have to think much about our heart condition. You know, when we're trying to conform or fit in, right, what does that have to do with what people think? What do people expect of me? Am I keeping up? Are people happy with me? It's really hard to change for the better when that's your goal. You know, we feel an inordinate obligation to make people happy and that can make us really resentful or we can become entitled. That is outstanding. And um, Pops, we love you. Uh, you've grown uh, a tons. Uh, you know, I rely to some degree on uh, that structure that Tanea talked about, but it's easy, like Tanea said, when you come to church for a long time to conform, how do we renew our minds? So the question is, how do we renew our minds? You know, the first one is we have to commit ourselves, devote ourselves to praying daily. I know that sounds simple, but it works. According to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. This type of prayer increases activity in brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. It also increases frontal lobe activity as focus and intentionality increase. It's from an article, How Prayer Changes the Brain and Body from RenewAllThings.com. You know, also, you know, scriptures change our minds. Uh, the power of putting faith in scriptures, reading God's word, memorizing God's word, me meditating on scriptures. It says the more we read and meditate on the word of God, the more we program it into our subconscious, which is what drives our every behavior, attitude and outlook on life. We can literally make the word of God a part of us. And that is powerful. But it takes daily, deep, focused thinking of the word. That's from meditation, how to hear from God at Renew All Things. You know, what focused prayers and Bible study do you need to commit to so that God can start changing your mind? You know, the second thing is God changes our relationships in Romans 12, verse 4. God changes our relationships, Romans 12, verse 4 in the voice. It says, for in the same way that one body has many different parts, each with different functions, we too the many are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each one of us is joined with one another and we become together what we could not be alone. Since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, it is important that we exercise the gifts we have been given. You know, God changes our relationships by giving each of us gifts. Those gifts are an essential part of building God's kingdom and God's fellowship. What does that mean? All of us have our own unique gifts. When God brought us into his kingdom, he gave everybody a gift. There's nobody that doesn't. It reinforces and should reinforce in all of us that every disciple has a very unique, special function and purpose that they're supposed to be carrying out. This scripture actually says that we're all supposed to be exercising our gifts consistently. You ever sat around feeling sorry and go, man, no one's calling me. I want to encourage you. You should call them and start exercising the gift that God has given you. What happens to all of our hearts when we're deeply believing that 
we have a unique and special function in God's fellowship, a gift, something that we're supposed to be doing that nobody else can do and the kingdom wouldn't be the same without us or the church wouldn't be the same without us. It should drive out jealousy and envy, a strong desire to either uh, feel inferior to other people or a strong desire to feel like other people steal our attention. You know, I'm a person that struggles with jealousy and it's easy for me to see other people as a threat to my attention when my security isn't in that God has helped us all have a special gift, number one. And two, that the most important things about our relationships in the kingdom is because everybody's essential and vital that we become together what we couldn't be apart. People's strengths help me in my greatest areas of weakness. We have an incredible team out here and uh, we lead in Contra Costa North, but we have house church leaders and all of them have unique strengths that complement Tanae and I. It would be impossible for us. We are one part of the team. Our part just tends to be public. And sometimes I think we believe that when our role is not public, then it's not as important. No, the Bible's clear. Whether you're public or whether you're in the crowd, whether you're just serving, everybody's role is essential. You know, the ladies, uh, Diane uh, Savage and Joanne Rude, amazing women. Uh, they don't speak up front. They don't uh, lead uh, uh, entire groups, but they're two women whose strengths and friendship and loyalty uh, helped my mom become a disciple. Uh, they came and supported me in a time in life when it was hard, when it was difficult. And if it wasn't for their strengths, their unique gifts, uh, my mom wouldn't, they were an important part of my mom becoming a disciple. You know, get help identifying your gifts and also exercising your gifts with other people. So what should I do after that point? You should make sure that you go, let me get help identifying my gifts and also exercising my gifts with other people. You should know how you want to contribute to your fellowship. You know, love changes our relationships. Love changes our relationships. Romans 12 verse nine. It says, love others well. Don't hide behind a mask. Love authentically. Despise evil. Pursue what is good as if your life depends on it. Live in true devotion to one another. Loving each other as sisters and brothers. Be first to honor others by putting them first. You know, this point is really about I can change by choosing to build friendships built on love. You know, this has been one of my greater challenges in being a disciple is love. Uh, love is a struggle for me. Uh, I have a strong desire to be first. I have a strong desire to protect myself. Think about myself. I remember uh, brothers were talking to me and they were asking me, Sam, what do you want to do with your future? What do you want to do? Do you want to do this great thing or do you want to do that great thing? What is it that you want to accomplish? And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I believe any of that's God. None of that really inspires me. I don't know that any of that is God's vision or destiny for my life. And I remember a friend of mine, Rich Waugh, uh, was with me and he said, Sam, you know what? I think God's destiny for your life is for you to become a more loving person. And it really transformed me because my effort went from trying to prove, uh, trying to achieve to going, wait a minute, that's God's goal for me. And I can accomplish it if I just keep learning to work at loving other people. When me and Tanae were getting ready to get married, remember when we were about to get married? Oh, yeah. One of my struggles was when she proves herself to be good enough, then I will love her. If she shows me that she won't sin against me and hurt me, then I will love her. And at some point, due to friends sitting down and helping me, you know, we become together what we can't be apart, those kind of friendships, they help me see that my 
resistance was to really loving Tanea unconditionally and learning to become a more loving person. Remember, our relationships model God for the world around us. Sometimes we think it's about the love that we receive. It's not the love that we receive. It's about the love that we're willing to give to other people. Proverbs 17, 17 talks about how a friend loves at all times. Sometimes we go, man, that person's not a good friend. Well, you're not supposed to evaluate friendship based on the other person. You're supposed to evaluate friendship based on your willingness to love. And in Romans 12, uh, starting in verse 9, it gives you a great example. It gives you a great understanding of what love really looks like. It even says, live in true devotion to one another. Sometimes people go, man, how often should we be getting together? Well, what you got to ask yourself is how often does devotion get together? Man, how often should I go to church? Well, how often does devotion go to church? Uh, How often should we call each other and be in contact with each other? Well, how often does devotion call each other and contact each other? Our our, uh, standard is not what people set up. Our standard is supposed to be what the scriptures and the Bible teach and how do we execute on that? You know, how will you start practicing love in your relationships? You know, I love that question. Um, and Romans 12, 17 to 18 and verse 21 uh, is great to answer that. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not become, oh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, for all of us, and I know me personally, I can change by not letting evil change us. You know, what does that mean? That means that, you know, regardless of where we're hurt, disappointed, discouraged, um, you know, people have hurt us, things have happened to us. We don't have to embody what that hurt has done to us. You know, when evil or sins happen in relationships, it's easy to let the shame or pain change us to where we become bitter or resentful or we avoid each other, we avoid conflict. And it's not enough to just hold ourselves back from evil and convince ourselves to stop doing this or that and add more rules. We have to actually take action and overcome it by doing good for other people. And so even, you know, you think, how do I answer that question? How am I going to start changing, um, you know, how you start practicing love in the relationships? How do you change that? You know, what good is it if you aren't putting things into action? What good will you do in your relationships at home? That's a great place to start. You know, what good can you do in your neighborhood? How can you help overcome all of the evil that's in our community and in our environment right right now? What are specific actions you can take? And it only takes one. And as we work to focus on, you know, changing our characters, getting hope so that we can change, that's what allows us to change the environment and the people around us. That's great. And it concludes uh, our time together this morning. You know, a reminder, you know, God changes, God's mercy changes our view. Uh, God's scripture and prayer, it's what changes our minds. You know, God changes our relationships. His gifts make our relationships uh, profound and that they can do greater things because of the gifts that he's put inside of us. Not because we're awesome, but because of how awesome God is. You know, love changes our relationships. Love changes our relationships. And part of that love is overcoming evil uh, by doing good and not letting ourselves be changed 
by the evil that happens around us. You know, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest keys to changing is not letting evil change us. My wife just did a spectacular job communicating and talking about that. You know, right now we get a chance to pray and think about Christ who made God's mercy evident to us, uh, who shown us how we can become all that God intended us to be by looking at his life and aspiring to be like him. And pray that we can spread the love that God has given to us to other people. Let's say a prayer for communion. God, thank you this morning for just the scriptures in the Bible, the way they uh, speak to our hearts. Thanks for giving us a vision. Thanks for uh, your mercy, the kindness uh, that you show for us. It, it models for us a kindness possible, uh, the kind of kindness that literally transforms and changes the world. Thanks that you give us choices as we read your Bible, that we can become different, that we can uh, read, that we can pray, and literally it changes the ways our brains are wired. God, thank you for that. And then thank you for the relationships that we have, relationships that both remind us of our gifts, our strengths, and the contribution we can make, but also that help us learn how to love so that we can model for this world the love of Christ and help many lives uh, see you and uh, hopefully be changed. We love you. Pray us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever told yourself that you really need to change something important in your life only to give up in frustration after a week or two of seeing no progress? A study published in the European Journal of Social Psychology found that on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic, 66 days to be exact. So if you ever felt discouraged after an unsuccessful attempt to make a transformation, just know you're not alone. You may just need help keeping at it a little longer. With this in mind, we're excited to launch a new weekly email series called The Change Plan. Each week, we'll provide you with a Bible study tailored to what you're working on changing personally. You'll get tips and resources to help you stay on track to make your change last. Sign up now at deepspirituality.com change. That's deepspirituality.com change.